We are already in the thing, aren't we? <laughs> Welcome to Westworld the Recapables. This is Tinfoil Tuesday, the final one. I'm David Shoemaker, your host. Uh, this is part of the Ringer Podcast Network, as always. And as always, I am joined on Tinfoil Tuesday by Micah Peters. Micah, how are you doing? It's like any other Tuesday. I'm questioning the nature of my reality, you know? And sitting to my right, this is it for you, darling. It's Danny Heifetz. How you doing, man? The best I can do is follow my programming, if that's amenable to you. Um, yeah, I guess that's fine. <laughs> Listen, we just came off. I'm exhausted. Uh, I shouldn't be complaining, but um, we had a great time watching the show last night, doing a live show, uh, turning it into a podcast, and uh, now we're here to talk about whatever it was we just saw. Uh, we've had you know 24 hours or so to digest, to see what <clears throat> the showrunners have uh, decided to let us in on about the about the show, and uh, and to see what you know Reddit's had its way with it, and the rest of the internet presumably as well. Um, Danny, why don't you kick us off? Do you have any? Do we do we get anything wrong last night off the top? You know, yeah, we can start with um, what we got wrong, and by we, I mean you know maybe. Give us a little credit. Some of what I got right, maybe you guys got wrong. I'm not sure. Um, but quote from John Grillo, the cinematographer for the episode, just, you know, totally random quote I picked. Uh, he said he filmed it in a place because, quote, it's a biblical place with biblical proportions. The scene is biblical in that way. It's almost like Moses leading people. So almost. throw that out there. Yeah. Uh, and then I don't know if you guys caught the Garden of Eden reference. Um, just, yeah, just random thoughts there. But I think this only confirms what we were saying <laughs> yeah, all season, which was, which was if, if something if something is so obvious and boring that the cinematographer is talking about it after the finale, then we probably we shouldn't we we definitely shouldn't have wasted any time talking about it all season. Cinematographers <laughs> are perhaps the most underrated assets. I'm on guessing the, set, the cinema. Sir. I agree. Cinematographers probably have very little to do with writing the show, though. So <laughs> they make you feel it. Okay. Um, actually, I don't think we messed up a ton, and or people in the internet are nice. Mostly got we mostly got things right. I think we did on our pod. We did kind of mid episode as the Jonathan Nolan Lisa Joy interviews came out. We changed our interpretation of the final scene. That she that it was definitely in the future. This is yeah, what she definitely said. in the future. They explicitly okay. said that. Which when we first came out of it, we were trying to like figure out what was going on there. But definitely set in the future. That's the main thing we got wrong. Sure. Okay. But. Uh, <laughs> Always nice if you have oh. to spin it forward like that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, I, so wait, if that okay, Stu, let me just start off with my own stupid question. Let's start with stupid questions. If that if that bonus scene didn't happen in the show, and I'm and I'm fine with that now. I've come to I've come to terms with this. Mm-hmm. If it didn't happen when it seemed like it would have happened in the show, which is to say, when he got off the elevator and before he ended up back on the beach, then what happened between the time he got in the elevator and the time he ended up back on the beach? That is no idea. An excellent question. So, um, Lisa Joy and we talked about this on yesterday's pod. But Lisa Joy said it is explicitly in the very far, far future, uh, and that those things in the timeline did happen. It's not in the simulation because they said that, and she said all that. But Jonathan Nolan also gave an interview. Uh, they both gave a bunch of interviews yesterday, and I thought Jonathan Nolan's quote actually was even a better hint than Lisa Joy's. And obviously, these are the married couple and creators of the show. And Jonathan Nolan said that. Quote, we'd always said that with this story, we wanted to consider the beginning, middle, and the end of the emergence of a new form of life on Earth. And we managed to cover a lot of those bases in this season. 
end quote. That was his answer to why they wanted Wait, say to- say that again? Yeah. <laughs> his point was basically that he, since they made the show, this is a show about the creation of a new species of hosts, uh-huh. but it's also about the middle and end of their story. That's what he was saying, which is interesting because we've talked so much about this being Genesis, but he's saying that they've always thought about it as the full story. Uh, so that was interesting in terms of, that was his explanation for why they jumped so far into the future because he was saying they're not necessarily going to have that in season three, but rather was to get people thinking, I mean, reading between the lines here, it was to get people thinking about the long-term aspirations of the show and where it's going and that they want to play around with that these hosts can play, they're immortal. And he said later in the interview, quote, we just love the ability to play in perceptual terms with the host being immortal. And I think that that's where he, that's why that scene was there to really expand our limits of the imagination there. Cause it's set 30 years in the future, but I think William was almost more of a metaphor for humanity there and what they can do to us. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to ask another, I'm going to ask another stupid question. It's his words. If that's the future, and it is the bonus scene. Mm-hmm. We should take it for granted, I guess, that, I mean, I, we shouldn't take anything for granted, but I feel like should, when the moment that they passed William when they were walking into the forge, was that supposed to be the aha moment that he is indeed a host? I mean, the, like, I don't, I don't know. I was talking about this uh, on the live show. It's just kind of like, it has to mean something. There's nothing in the show that I think can just you can just take as it's in there just to be in there. I don't think that yeah, that exists yeah. for its own sake. I think that that has to be something. But it, but I mean, but there there would have been a version of him in the in the forge anyway yes. because he's been in the park. Yeah. So he definitely existed in the forge. Oh. And the question is, okay. if, was he a host at all in that time? And what they're saying is, he's definitely a host in the far far future. And may, what does that mean? There's a lot of interpretations there. Maybe Dolores brought his brain ball out with her and she's looping him through time forever and he's a physical person and he keeps coming to the same decisions to kill his daughter. I don't know. But there is almost a really, there's a really good argument that he's not a host in the Westworld timeline we saw this season, but they're going to build. He just survived all of those gunshots. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, but we don't know how bullets work. We went over we this last season. We have no idea how bullets work, but they did the last thing I think but we it thought did, so they would do is they punted to next season. They oh, could yeah, get yeah, away yeah. doing either. Oh, so, so you don't think the question is answered? I thought it was until both creators came out and said, no, 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 that That's last way scene in was the like, you know, like, could be a thousand years. Who okay, knows how far so in the future? That's preserving crazy. ambiguity for the next season, that is, we at least know that there's, at the very least, the baseline is that we know that William is being made into a host, or at least they're, tr- they're testing out different versions of his, his pathways, his personality, et cetera, like they were doing with Delos and the Forge before. Yeah. Okay. And the question is, why is that happening? And is that, again, I think the most interesting part of all the comments from the creators was Jonathan Nolan saying that we want people to think about the way we've been thinking, which is this is a beginning, middle, and end of how the hosts come to be. And that got me thinking of something, David, you said to me forever ago, which was, the, do you remember the first scene of the first episode of Westworld in the premiere? It's just Dolores sitting on a chair, and we get a voiceover from what we now know as Arnold speaking in a very deep voice. Mm-hmm. And it looks nothing like anything else from the rest of the show. Mm-hmm. Now, it could be the pilot, you know, just because, you know, things change in pilots. Yeah, but she's not speaking out loud. She's speaking in her head, and it's very interesting. And if you go back and rewatch the first scene of the series, it's not like anything else. You asked me if that could be set in the very far, far future. If they knew 
they were going there all along? Could they have just inserted that Easter egg that the first 60 seconds of the show is actually where they're going to come back to and end? That blew my mind. I'm sorry. I'm still stuck on the man in black. If he's not... So is everyone. I understand why the man, why William would have, would be in the forge, right? Everybody who's been in the park is in the forge. Mm-hmm. Okay, never mind. I was going to ask why he's in his outfit, but I guess Jim Dulles was mm-hmm. in his outfit, his Westworld outfit too. Well, I think they made like 18 million copies of him and then tried to get him to replicate what he did in the park when he actually went. And that was what they were trying to do there. Um, and then the other interesting tidbit is in the background of that scene, right before we see Ed Harris, we actually see Felix and Maeve like doing their little tablet stuff. Uh, behind Logan in that same scene. And I th- believe next to her is actually a recreation of Maeve getting stabbed when she was at the end of the homestead. So there's a lot going on in the forge that they were trying to allude to very directly. So basically anything that's happened in the show so far could have just been a moment in the forge and not yes. actually part of the show. That's a great country. Love, love <laughs> to, to, to erase the narrative importance of literally everything else that's happened. But that really is what this show, I mean, and listen, yeah. I love this show. And I was, I was talking to culture editor Amanda Dobbins about this uh, about an hour ago. But, I mean, I've, I've said it a million times. I'm great with this show being a mystery box. Like, I'm, like it, I don't need to read this as like one of the great, uh, uh, you know, one of the great... Uh, artistic feats of all time comment on something larger than itself yeah no i don't and i don't need it to be like a you know it it doesn't need to be like about human relationships or or robot relationships or it doesn't need to be some profound thing about mortality i mean it can just sort of be you know lost and and the rest of that sort of you know there can be elements of it but it doesn't need to be like the super deep perfect all-encompassing monoculture show but um but yeah, I mean, if the if the point is that literally nothing actually like, matters, I, yeah, I mean, what if we're the fact that like William killed his daughter, and we don't, when we we just don't know if we're supposed to care about it is pretty significant. Yeah, <laughs> look, not all great work is appreciated in the time it's made. I'm sure a lot of people when the Bible came no, out no, no, were no, like, no, "There's a lot this, of okay, this, okay, okay, this, okay." No, no, no but, but I, I, I think, first of all, when the Bible came out, that's a, that's just fantastic. That is a, work what there. a sentence! Um, uh, but no, but, but when, but you're right. But the but the premise of that statement is that this art is deeper, or you know, it's, it will yeah. be more appreciated another time. But what's actually true about this show is that time is not going to make us appreciate the artistry of season two more season three or four might explain season two and so they will appreciate it more but that's not about our tastes adapting that's about them not giving us enough information to appreciate the show there was was a great tweet or or to like it there's a great tweet from someone on twitter named fake dave hurt at us that i think was really represent it's perfect he said i think i would like the show if i knew what the hell was going on yeah I thought that was perfect. And that actually, I was going to do this at the end, but I think it's worth doing it right now. There's actually a crazy amount of questions we've been talking about all season that actually like Loki never got resolved. And for all the questions we've had, uh, do you remember the, like the season premiere? Like what the, like the grading question of the first episode was, how did Teddy's body get there? Mm -hmm. Are we sure? Okay. So wait now we have, was it, was it, Actually, Teddy's body, or was it just somebody with a with a gun belt and a waistcoat? No, it was definitely Teddy's body. It was one hundred percent Teddy because they they kept coming back to James Marsden again in like episode five, and his body is there. And after a whole season of being like, "How did his body get there?" in his mind, we see Dolores and how he got he got to the Valley Beyond because Dolores took his control unit out of his head and then put it, and that was the last person she uploaded into the Valley Beyond before she beamed it into space wherever. Yeah, 
But after the whole season, they didn't actually answer the question. His body is body still technically there. like in a barn yeah. somewhere. Like not. Well, what, I just assumed all of that flooded and that everybody was floating together. And he ended up with all the hosts who jumped off that cliff like perfectly. Well, I'm not like an expert in, in water flow, but that seemed like that's a crazy. After the whole season was like premised and that was the lasting shot of the mystery box. of. Oh, the yeah, first he episode. was floating right there. with. Yeah. They never came back to that, which is kind of, I think, representative of what you're saying in that. For a show that really does want us to pay such close attention to detail of these things, it's wild that, that- this is. You're right. So, I, and this is another thing I was saying to Amanda earlier too. I am. I like. I. I dig that this is a show that's like made for Reddit, right? This is a show that's made for like the audience interaction. It's made for us to have these podcasts about it and deep dive into these questions. I don't get that invested when somebody makes a YouTube video or a Reddit thread complaining about the plot holes and like. Jurassic World the Fallen Kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that's not that's not what <laughs> yeah. that movie is, right? Exactly. I mean, and that and that's and it's it's a silly exercise that just I think makes you look silly to be pointing them out. You know, if you walk out and you're and I'm just like that movie was awesome and the person you're with is just like explain to me the science behind the yeah, like, it's, <laughs> yeah. not, it's it's dumb. But that said, Westworld is that show. Yes. It is the show to be like to be like you know going after every little detail and if, you, yeah. and if you have plot holes like that or if you have like you know questions that linger around and, and tickle at the viewers brains it's it is fair game for those to disrupt the conversation about the show for the rest of the for the entire you know off season or for the time between the episodes because yeah. if they're not going to answer all these like these very simple plot holy issues then like what's the point of this mystery box yeah. I, I agree that it's it's unfair them to invite people to revel in all of those mysteries yeah. and then you, you can't kind of back out and then say well you know it's a tv show to answer oh, giant gaps you for, yeah that's yeah. yeah i mean like it was kind of uh, i think it was alan seppenwell wrote something for vox about whether or not he was watching for Westworld. rolling stone for was well, there was two different pieces yeah. alan seppenwell wrote a piece called what the hell happened in, to this show in season two westworld what the hell happened to this show in season two and then um who wrote the vox piece Anyway, there was a great Vox piece yeah, about that. Yeah, it was that. just so like, am I watching it wrong? Yeah. Because he was talking about getting into the cultural ephemera of the show, whatever, just, and then like harking back to Jeff Jansen's uh, recaps of Lost. Oh, it was Todd Vanderwerf, who oh, Ted, who's been, been writing great stuff about the show all season. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, yeah, if it's, if the entire kind of like cottage industry around the show is trafficking and like all of these like basically examining it too closely, like at so f- insofar that you have coordinates in the advance poster for the show, then you can't really be like, all right, guys, well, now you're looking at this a little too closely. You're thinking yeah. about this too hard. And, yeah. And I don't, by, I don't by, by the way, just this piece, which is this Todd Vanderwerf piece on Vox, which is really great, talking about skipping timelines. This was one that the, uh, the URL for this had, had the, the permalink was at the end of the URL is Westworld season two review finale recap the passenger and it came out several days before the show aired and it is not in fact a review so they're skipping around timelines over on a, at our, our sister site <laughs> vox.com as well um, the and again I actually really enjoyed this episode on rewatch so I don't want to skewer it too much having said that I actually got angrier as I read some of the interviews with Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy. Angry. Um, this, this one actually- It's a new emotion of, for you. This one, uh, yeah, I'm learning. Uh, this one got at me. This is from Lisa Joy explaining Dolores' emotional journey in the finale. And she said, there was an ironic defeat, this is quoting Lisa Joy, there was an ironic defeat of her own goals, meaning Dolores, in the execution of how to reach those goals. In the end, the lesson Dolores learned is that she can change. She's changed her mind. She's changed her philosophy. 
Uh, it's an acknowledgement that there are other paths than hers and that she needs to be tolerant and accepting and can't stand in the way. Uh, she's come to understand that freedom isn't something that arises from a lack of dissent, from a dictatorial or totalitarian rule of one set of ideologies. That all happened off Did she write that on like a Facebook she, post? What is that? It was a long Q&A. But the point is, Dolores is like, I want to end humanity, get shot. Bernard brings her back. And then she's like, yeah, we're on the same team now. There was no journey. She didn't have any moment. We didn't see Dolores come to that conclusion or anything. She just died and Bernard brought her back and she's like, all right, fine, I'll be on your team. None of that happened on screen. No. I was reading that. I was like, that is such we a talk, stretch. We talked about <laughs> it last night, too, because they're coming back. I mean, like, it, it would have been easier to convey the very simple change, you know, like, d decision that she made in that moment or leading up to that moment. Which, yeah. which is to say, you know, you were right or I'm doing this because you brought me back or whatever. I mean, there's a lot of little things that could have seeded that. The... Uh, but the way that she just said, you know, this very formal, very, excuse me, robotic, like, don't <laughs> you know that we are capable of changing our minds? Yeah. I far would have preferred a very transactional, I still disagree with you, but I realized I cannot do this without you. That would have been way better. Yeah. But to say that she had some journey, uh, I was frustrated. I mean, yeah, she between life and death and it happens like <laughs> off screen and like somewhere in there, like she changes her mind about everything. And so, yeah, why don't you give me some like death acid trip kind of conversation with her father for three minutes instead of like the, some Logan plot or something. Yeah, so the show has so, everything else. Just bring in a really weird acid trip animation. Yeah, and, I, but yes. And just to wait to go back to getting the stupid questions here. Um, we determined that like the brain balls like cannot be destroyed, at least not by oh. conventional means. No, they can be destroyed. But they can't be shot. Well, the control units are bulletproof, but the ball, the brain balls. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry, I'm, I'm no, referring yeah, to are. the control units as brain balls. I'm sorry <laughs> for the confusion. Okay. Wonder balls, brain. Yeah. You can shoot them, and they're bulletproof. It seems they're very sturdy. Yes. So, the Dolores. I mean, Bernard shot her and functionally killed her, but then was able to extract the control unit, stick it in another host, and she's back yeah. online and remembers. I mean, it's the same soul the same whatever yes. person that was just up living up to that moment where she got shot correct uh -huh. almost definitely so so, then, the, so destroying the cradle was important why that's a great question uh i the thing i noticed when they all the behind the scenes i guess they could have it, just done a separate control unit for everybody but so but for the purposes of the show when jonathan Nolan and lisa joy were giving interviews explaining it they were very careful to say like you don't want to lose any of them like physically misplace uh, I was actually very intrigued by how they only used like at language. It was never like if they're destroyed. It was always like if you lose them. So I, I don't think these things are indestructible, but they. I, the thing I'm shocked about is all the humans died. There aren't really any human characters left because William, who then, I guess he is human maybe, but like Elsie's gone and like all the important humans are gone, but they didn't actually kill well, any Stubbs, hosts. Stubbs, yeah, Stubbs turns out to be a Stubbs host. Stubbs turns out to be a host. William, I, talk I'm about. calling William a host. I don't and care what you say. Uh, while we're being negative Nancy's, and then we can get to the fun stuff in a second. The Stubbs thing was cool until I learned that Jonathan Nolan, sorry, the director. But they wrote it on the last. Yeah, the, they wrote it. They, Jonathan Nolan wrote that um, plot hole. Or he wrote that line of dialogue the night before they, they filmed it. And even Lester Hemsworth's brother. I don't think that was the plan, though. I think he decided that afterward. That was the interpretation I got from the director. Uh, 
I still don't know what why it matters whether he's a host or a human. I don't That's what Portis who But cares? I think that actually that if anything that the revelation that he wrote it on the last at the last minute I I don't care that he wrote it on the last minute great art is created when it's created, you know, whatever. But Fair. um the but it it is it is informative in that it it leads one to believe that if you can make that big of a change in the midnight hour then it was probably a farewell to Stubbs either way. Right? Or like, it, it doesn't affect anything. I mean, I guess it could change everything going forward. No, I, I think what it chips away at is if you are like me and spend a an embarrassing amount of time that you would never admit to your colleagues uh, about how much you spend thinking and like thinking about this stuff, that you kind of want to think that the people running it are also giving these things like a ton of thought. And to think that they could have been planning season two for like a year and a half and to make that kind of change like the night before. Now, maybe they were planning it down the road and he's like, no, this is the moment to reveal it. But more importantly, it's like they didn't set it up at all. Like, like that's the crazy thing to me. Like there was no setup and you can look back in retrospect and try to like, you know, retroactively explain some things. But I, I personally, I kind of don't buy that. If that was Jonathan Nolan himself did it the night before, then I'm not going to go ahead and retroactively do it. But there was also some cool Easter eggs. If you want me to run through those. Do it. Go go for it. <laughs> Give me in. Negative Nancy portion's over. There was some cool stuff from Reddit. Cot, oh my God. Cot, Cotnell, K-O-T-N-3-L. K-O-T, no, I don't know. Anyway, they wrote uh, that with the caption like, quote, they simply became music. When Dolores is looking in the books, the pages aren't like English or anything. They're just code. That code is the same as the piano sheet music we've been seeing in the intro all season. And in the actual player pianos we've been seeing in like the first two seasons, the music is written in the very same manner as the code, which is pretty cool. Um, they also kind of look like uh, like DNA tests, by the way. Oh, really? Sort of, to me at least. That's wow. what I thought about when I looked at it. Like the sheet music definitely makes more sense, but also they look kind of like uh like DNA testing printouts. That would make sense. Oh, so like maybe Dolores can just read DNA? Maybe it's not code. I mean like it, it, I don't know, it's just a different type that of code. Sense. It's genetic code. It's but- 10 000, Oh, speaking of which, uh specifically, there are 10,247 lines of code on people apparently. That is a prime number. They love their prime numbers. As is 11,927 trials that Dolores ran Bernard through, also a prime number. Prime numbers are irreplaceable. All right. Okay. The okay. only okay. Bear with me here. Oh God. If there, if the pri, if it's prime numbers that are important, there's a lot of kinds of numbers. If it's prime numbers, then my mind immediately goes to Optimus Prime. Ooh. Do you think that the Transformers and Westworld universes are actually one universe? Oh my God. Wait. Didn't they go to? Did they? Okay. So what was the last Transformers movie? Did they go to the moon? Was it? Was this? That was the, that was the, the the King Arthur one. The last night wasn't that the last one, or was Dark Side of the Moon the last one, or whatever? I honestly don't remember. Like, I've been I know talking there, about been Jurassic two, Park, which was written by the same Transformer author world for five episodes. Season three. I, I mean, and you guys are talking about Transformers after giving me okay, shit. What so is going what's, on? What's cooler to you, dinosaurs or robots? Like giant. This is we're talking about. Been robots. We're talking about. Robot like robots with souls. That's I what Transformers are. Dinosaurs. Yeah. Imagine if Optimus Prime's control unit was put in a T-Rex. That's the answer. That's way cooler. All right, let's move on to the next Easter egg. Go. Oh, you guys are ridiculous. T-Rex uh, won't have wings and an energy sword. Schmeckles, which I will not elaborate on, says MC Escher's drawing hands in Bernard's home lap. 
if you see in Arnold's home, he has the actual, it's really cool. It's the MC Escher drawing of like a hand drawing, drawing itself, a hand, yeah, drawing yeah, yeah. a hand. And that's in the scene where, of course, Bernard and Dolores have just done their feedback loop of bringing each other back to life. Uh-huh. So that's a, that's a fun Easter egg. Uh, my, Juliet, Juliet pointed out that sort of feedback loop last night, which yeah, I think was that she she was uneasy about it, but I think yeah, I think that's a central part on, of the show, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Uh, Felix and Sylvester ride up, and everyone's all the hosts see the door, and then they come up and they don't see it, and they say, "What door?" That was a yeah, fun callback to Bernard in season one when he reveals these hosts and he doesn't see the door that Teresa's talking about. So that was a fun kind of flipping that moment on itself. Uh, Sizemore's speech, I think this was. So in the first episode of the season, of the series, Sizemore writes this whole incredible, amazing speech for Hector, who it then turns out is just like face yeah. in the middle of the speech, yeah. and he dies. And then, of course, this season we find out that he wrote Hector as like the man he wants to be. And then that's the speech mm-hmm. he gave. Also, now, I kind of think the speech sucked, but also uh, there was kind of, if you want to call that a callback, also there was Hector walking through to go save Maeve, and the guy goes freeze all motor functions, and then gets shot. Yeah, <laughs> in the face before he can finish the sentence, which you know was kind of revenge, I guess. Yes. if you want to if you want to read it that way, that was great. And you can interpret the speech three ways. You can interpret it as Hector in his role talking um, to all the townspeople and settlers. You can also interpret it as host talking to humans, and then you can interpret it as Sizemore talking to Delos. But I think the speech was bad. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, the, I just don't understand how that's the hill you're dying. That, that's, that's your, that's your was, criticism yeah. of the season. That oh, one, no. as like Lee Sizemore's big emotional moment, you would have rather seen his penis instead of him standing up for his friends. That's not what I said. Okay, all right. I'm just, I just, but, <laughs> is it Uchi Wally or is it one mic, Danny, huh? Moving on. Okay. <laughs> uh, the door to the new world. So you remember they open up the door in the forge? Yeah. Uh, super on the nose one that I didn't notice is right before they, there's like a wood carving in the panel or whatever. And it's of a ship that somewhat resembles Jason of the Argonauts ship and or Columbus schooner schoonering his way to the new world. Okay. But that was the fact that they literally opened the door, but there was a ship engraving. I thought that was pretty, yeah, that's pretty nice little Easter egg. I like that. On to theories. Let's do it. Now to quote Dolores, I didn't read them all, but I read enough. And that was a good quote. Good use of quotes. I've been waiting for your approval for this entire podcast. Don't construe that as approval. (laughs) Uh, Just the first one. We touched on this a little bit, but probably the dominating question for a lot of people after William in the final scene is the brain balls. And we know that she took five on the boat to at least five, at least five. One is Bernard. We know this. Mm hmm. The real question is, who the hell was in Charlotte Hale's body when Dolores goes back into yeah. being Dolores? Who's in Charlotte Hale's body? Now, EW directly asked um, Jonathan Nolan if that Charlotte is also Dolores, if there are two Doloreses. Mm-hmm. And Nolan says, quote, eh, not really. The question of who's who and what we're looking at is something we're excited to play with. We're excited to withhold a little from the audience, but pause. It's complicated. Uh, I think that's writer speak for we don't know, <laughs> to be honest. But I think that that's actually an interesting question because there are there are candidates for who those people could be. There's Teddy, there's Angela, there's Maeve, there's you know Peter Abernathy, there's Old Bill. They're maybe they're blank. But I think the more interesting question is: Are they all one person, or can you actually put can you copy those control units? Because we were just talking about whether they can be destroyed. But I think more interesting going forward is whether they can be duplicated, and can there be two versions of one person? Sure. 
I mean, I, I don't see. Oh, I guess they could they be duplicated. I don't know. Like, could Dolores do like a like a? I think the answer is it could be anything. I mean, it can be whatever they want. I think that that's the that's kind of what I was thinking about when I was asking about the indestructibility of the control units. Is that you don't want to lose them, I guess, and you might have specific purposes for them, but like, you know, it it, it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if like this show ended after six seasons, but the last episode had like, you know a young girl visiting the island to go fishing and like <laughs> picks up a control unit and sails off. And that's how we end the show, you know, whatever. Like there's these things, their immutability just sort of allows for an endless number of possibilities. What if Dolores goes to topple the, whatever human governments out there. And then she has like an A team, but like all the people involved are just different versions of her. And then Bernard's the annoying hacker guy. But like there's five different versions that are all fine. They're all trained a little differently and Bernard built them all a little I, differently. I think that that would be a terrible mistake <laughs> in terms of storytelling. But, but, but I, and it wouldn't surprise me, right? That is a problem, yeah. To control, ho- I mean, do, do drone hosts not have control units? Do we I, establish must, that? I guess, I guess, I don't know. Like, do we think though that, that Dolores and Bernard could build some drone hosts on the outside with, yeah, relative, I, with relative ease? Definitely. They have their little building thing. They can do whatever they want. I mean, the only question is whether or not they can construct control units. Because, yes, they can build That's true. the bodies if they want. That's true. Yeah, maybe they're blank, and they can just create them as they see fit, and they can stitch together the personalities of the people they like. That's actually interesting, because they probably can't make control units, because they made a whole stink about how hard it is to create them. But Bernardo was obviously head of behavior. He can make whatever yeah, he I think it's. Yeah, I think it's safe to assume that season three is going— like, the, the cast in season three will be— Dolores and her group of five and they'll probably tease who those five are out till the very end and that's what we'll be answering in the mm-hmm. in the after credit sequence next time is like who oh is God. the fifth host yeah exactly yeah. just like uh, President Trump was a host all along or you know, yeah. whatever and then, <laughs> and then but then and then whoever then Maeve and you know I'm sure there will be some others who are selected as favored subjects by Felix and Sylvester that'll make it out too. But but I, all that is that anything is possible it, going forward. But I think season three is probably going to be narrowly focused on five or those six plus yeah. whoever is saved off the island. And we it, everyone's going to be focused on like that Ocean's five or Ocean's six, whatever kind of narrative. But I actually, I think it would be immensely more interesting and I like plead with them. It would be much better to watch Dolores and Bernard try to create someone from scratch, like creating a new person and maybe stitching together the people they love, but actually grappling with giving them cornerstones and trying to make a new person rather than just recreating old characters. Wait, I, mean, I, I don't understand how that would work in the dynamic that they set up at the end of this episode, which yes, is they will like, not be like, they're not going to be working together. That's the thing. That's true. I mean, like, and also, I don't think that's interesting. Yeah, counterpoint. No, I mean, also, your idea was the trash. conversation. I mean, the way in which you know, season two had a lot of issues, but the way in which it was a success over season one was that it was it was much more of a mystery and less of a philosophy class, right? Yeah. And the, yeah. and I and I don't want the the conversation about. I mean, I don't want the show to be a convert like them trying to figure out the algorithm. Wait, right? I just thought of this. You know, like the MCS or the hand in the hand, you know, like Ford created Bernard to like replace Arnold. What mm-hmm. if Bernard recreates a Ford? Oh, there we go. I mean, I think we talked about that last night. What if he creates a Ford? What if he builds a Ford from scratch, but he's like really dumb and she tries to teach him how to be old Ford and it's like Anthony Hopkins, but he's kind of dumb. 
Why would is that, why would that be a thing that you would want to watch? That would be funny. Maybe Young Ford. I mean, like that. I'd, I'd like I'd like a YouTube short about that. The like biggest, a parody, maybe. I, I don't yeah. think I necessarily well, no, like want a funnier to guy video show. with like with like Anthony Hopkins, Sir Anthony Hopkins, doing like the you know just crazy stunt work that that uh, that Charlotte did in this episode, just like blowing people's heads Seriously, off. Seriously, I like, would really love episode, to. Yeah. I mean, I just don't understand how you go from quoting Oppenheimer to saying chicken nuggets is my family. <laughs> like, I, I don't, I don't want to see Anthony Hopkins do that. So, <laughs> uh, fair. Although I will say I'm not here, but I'm planting my flag that season three needs to be funnier. The show cannot go for like five or six more seasons until it gets a sense of humor, including the hosts. I don't think a sense of humor is what we need. Clarity. Might well, be in short, I think a lot of people's issues with the show is that the hosts, it's hard to invest in them or care because they're not very lifelike, ironically, and they're not very relatable. I think that actually the easiest thing they could, look, I can't tell them how to rewrite the entire show. The easiest thing they can do to get people to care about the host is to make them funny and like have the sense of humor. Yeah. Cause All the right, whole here, show's self I don't, I don't, I don't totally disagree. I, I just think that like, I don't think that just like, I, I, I don't think that an e, it, it, like you should be looking for the easy out here because I don't think humor is going to work any more than like the sentimentality of the finale works. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, it, I think that the, I, I think that the, the, the deeper issue is, and again, I like to show the way it is, but if you want to, if you want to inject like another level of engagement, you know, for for viewers into the show, it's not, it's not a sense of humor. It's like a sense of it's like self awareness, right? I mean, yes. like, I, and, that, and humor can can lead out of that, but it's like the whole entire show is about is about robots trying to discover self awareness, but the show itself b- doesn't seem to evince just the sort of wink that like your standard Marvel movie does to be like, yeah, we know what this is. Yeah. There was like <laughs> yeah. one, there was like one instance of that in the second season. I feel like that was yeah. when they were, uh, they well, had size the, more could pull some of that stuff. Out. Well, well, not the, I was going to say the, the, when Rebus. the Rebus exactly was, was like, there was a bunch of human hostages and then he was just like, I'm going to, I'm going to hack into his brain and turn up his compassion. And then he's just like, Aggressively helpful and like running after yeah. the woman he mm-hmm. sets free. He's just like, I you. Sc-. yeah, exactly. That was funny. <laughs> like, that is the situational humor that I would like slightly, slightly, like yeah. the smallest negligible amount. No, I agree. I agree that we need a sense of humor. I just think that it's like, it's actually a deeper issue and, and just trying and like getting Bruce Valanche in there to write some patter for season three is not going to be the solution, by the way. Bruce Valanche's first mention on the podcast. Go ahead. Ne- next theory, Danny. Um, okay. The Valley Beyond. A lot of people just want a quick explainer of what happened, uh, which I think is fair. This is how I interpret it. Basically, Valley Beyond is this wonderful digital world that's encrypted, but it's like... By the way, uh, before you say this, I yes. alluded to this last night. I'm sorry to cut you off. Hit me. But it, this did this sunk in a little bit more after we did the show. It is sort of bonkers that people were using all of these, like throughout the season, using all these weird vagaries to refer seemingly to the same concept, right? The Valley Beyond, the Door, the Forge, like all this stuff is like, oh, this is whatever robot heaven is. That's what this is. And then in the finale, it turns out they all had very specific definitions, like as if everyone had some sort of precognition to see what the see how the finale was going to play out. Well, like they meant different things, kind of. So the weirdest, and the weirdest part is in addition to that, it turns out the writers called the world they went into the sublime. 
So the writers weren't even oh, referencing- so that wasn't even the Valley Beyond. That wasn't, no, the writers were calling it the Sublime. They were calling the Forge, the Valley Beyond, two different things, and they created the door, and then they had their own word, which actually is kind of a good representative example of some issues with the show, because the first episode you have of the whole series, you have Peter Abernathy says to Ford in like his first ever debriefing, they say, what's your name? And he says, a rose is a rose is a rose, which is a reference to a Gertrude Stein poem, which blah, 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 is just them showing off how much they like to add triple and quadruple meanings to everything they do. And for them to actually be referred, it, it's just a flex on their part. That's staring at Danny right now. Go on, but I'm go saying, on. now looking at this place where you, it's one of those things where you want to do this, but they can't, they introduce the word forge in like, what, the, the ninth episode of the show. Yeah. And then they've been calling it the Valley Beyond. If they called it as, as Glory our, as for five episodes and then Gloria. never came back to it. As ever. Stephanie Snowden, or one of our video producers, pointed out last night, why didn't they just call the Forge the Library? Wouldn't that have made so much right? more sense? Like, there's, it's so strange that, I mean, think if you go back and rewatch the season, the amount of times they talk about Glory and just don't come back to it becomes strange. And when you have all this vocabulary and you don't tie the strings together, that I think is, is one of the frustrating parts um, on my end, and especially since they're calling it Sublime. So, yeah, but <laughs> to get to the sublime, apparently, the utopia that they walked into, which I will call the Valley Beyond because it was literally this beautiful green valley. I think, and by the way, if you're going to like, if you're going to drop like a, a, a poetry reference in to the, the, to the discussion of the sublime, I think you should just be quoting from Santeria by sublime. I mean, I think it's like, <laughs> like you could, you could definitely like read the entire show through the, through the, uh, the through the guise of Santeria, but go ahead. I was just, <laughs> well, to the people who are still confused that I do not blame you for what actually happened, Jonathan Nolan tried explaining it, which is basically, he said it's, quote, a persistent simulated reality is indistinguishable from reality itself. He says, but if you encrypted that, you essentially created an alternate universe with no traffic back and forth. Uh, in English, I think what he's saying is that they're on this encrypted file, but they're in a USB drive. And anyone who picks up the USB drive could mess around with it. But it's not so a USB. Dolores it's an, it's put an, it into the cloud right. and then sent it in a place where no one knows where it is. So the idea is it's an encrypted file floating through and no one will Weird find it. Weird that that wasn't safe. part of Bernard slash Ford's initial plan for the sublime or whatever it was. Well, no. Mm. And that actually explains what Bernard's plan was to me in my mind because I think the point was they wanted Delos. They knew Delos was going to come and going to mess around with things. And they were like, wait, we can use Delos' satellite to do that. So we need to wait for them to come, wait for them to beam it up, kill them, and then redirect it. And that was the plan Bernard came up with because the alternative is- The plan that he came up with during the last episode or the plan all along? Well, the plan all, which we saw him develop in the last episode, that was the other part of like the creating Charlotte Hale's body. Uh -huh. The other part was when they show up, we'll take their satellite and send it somewhere because even if they're in the sublime, if they're sitting there in Westworld and that's where the physical copy of this world is, then no matter what, they can eventually find it. I mean, I get to like, we're going to build the sublime inside the forge, which is their thing, right? We'll like, yeah. we'll bury it in their own files, but that seems like enough of a plan. Well, no, because then the idea is Delos can show up and they'll find it eventually and they can just get in there and mess so with it. Because they, they're still so the why IP. why not put it in the cradle or in some spot where like Delos isn't going to be hanging out? Well, they did because they sent it to the cloud because the idea is that's where like the, the, the cradle got destroyed. But I'm just saying like, why well, not? Ford has run of all of the island except for the forge. So why not put it somewhere besides the forge if they couldn't get it off the island? Well, they, they did. I'm confused. They got it off the island. But it was, this, is a very, <laughs> this is a very bizarre plan, right? Because none of like the, the hosts aren't in the forge. The only thing that's in the forge is what the, the satellite technology? Well, the satellite technology and the, and the guest data 
Uh, right, but the but the but the Sublime doesn't have any need for the guest data. No, they do. I, I no no. They, I think this is why people get confused about it. The Sublime has nothing to do with humans. <laughs> no, no, yeah, no. They killed. All, yeah, they got rid of all the human. No, files. no, I'm not talking about what they killed. They swapped. You're, they were with Del. Sorry. I know, no, no. I know what they did in okay. the show. They swapped out the data. They beamed it up. I'm just asking when Ford and Bernard or whoever decided to create the Valley Beyond or the Sublime as this magical Eden for all these hosts to live in forever. Why did it have anything to do with the Forge? Why? Why did they not just build their own little like like USB drive? in a giant metal bunker in the middle of Westworld. Well, because I don't think Bernard could have pulled that off. Wait. I don't think Bernard or Ford could, I don't think they could have just done that. Without what? Without other what are, people literally, they What are the constraints? They, they, Why, like, there's, there he, are... He has secret, place, secret places all over the island. But they're trying to, but they're trying to push Ford out. They're literally Ford, if Ford didn't get shot, Ford was going to get fired, like, that Monday. I mean, I, I guess it's. It, I I think you could answer this question. I think that the showrunners could answer this question, but it's still just kind of well, a very. All right. Getting back to all negative right. Nancy mode, I think there's actually a really funny parallel between Bernard on the end at the beach saying, "We need to scramble my memories because Delos will open my brain and unscramble and forget what happened." Yes. With the showrunners saying, "Wait, we need to scramble the timelines, or else everyone will just dive in and figure out what happened." And that, but that's the crazy thing. I is still it, don't know is why that you, the the scrambled timelines made the show easier to understand in a way if you once you parsed out i mean with a couple of weird moments like you know throughout the show and you knew what you were looking for i don't know that it made it easier to understand but you knew that something was going to happen and they really didn't give us any information that way it's not like they made the show more of a mystery if it i just said it was just more loudly proclaimed that it was a mystery right I mean, nothing happened in that flash forward. Timeline. I mean, like, yeah, I don't know. The, yeah, the, the, just, the skipping yeah. around timelines thing was just kind of like an in, intentional obfuscation. Yes. Excuse me. Like, uh, but yeah, I I don't. But it was it was a very writerly thing. It was yeah. like, yeah, when when he was when Bernard was like, oh yeah, I had to scramble my own memories. Yeah, it's gesturing at something while laboring to conceal it. I mm-hmm. think like it's just, but yeah, I am with you on the fact that like this could have been done in a much simpler way, but. I mean, I, I, who would want simple from the show, I guess? <laughs> I thought it was a really simple episode. I don't know why you guys don't get any of this. Uh, last theory. Uh, this is from Stephen Laurie on Reddit. Season three is going to be about real world Dolores working some shitty desk job, barely making ends meet, yeah. and realizing the real world is not all it's cracked up to be and wishing she had just joined the rest of the hosting Utopia forever. It's, it's the nine to five remake we've all been waiting for. Yeah. Uh, not, a, not a death. <laughs> do you guys want to do some season end awards real quick? Sure. Is that all the theories that people have about this show? That's all. That's all that people are talking about. Well, there's plenty. I mean, there's a lot, but I mean, it's hard because I think a lot of the Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan theories that are explanations were basically versions of here's what happened with this, or kind of alluding to like we don't know. We're excited to write that if you read between the lines. So like the William thing, I think yeah, there's we, be a thousand theories, but like they're just like no, that was really far away. Uh, we oh. are embarking on. The Westworld offseason. And um, who knows, there may be an emergency pot or two in our future. But, um, you know, it's not exactly going to be like what team LeBron's going to sign with for the next (laughs) nine months or however long it takes to get them back on the air. But we are probably, you know, Westworld is is not a Game of Thrones level, but we're probably going to be entering a period where it's like, you know, if James Marsden shows up on set, someone will find it, will capture it on their iPhone and word will leak out. And yeah, uh, and we can, because this is the last episode, we can quickly do, you know, dead theories, 
R.I.P. Oh yeah, let's, see, let's play. Let's play the. Okay, uh, stop. Uh, with this. You can't the, just make everything a portmanteau. I just did. I don't know what that word is, but I R.I.P. is great. Uh, so the f- first thing we discussed on the show and the driving force of the first five episodes: the continuity errors on the beach. Bernard wearing Teddy's clothes, finishing Carl Strand's sentences on the beach. After he just woke up, mm-hmm. no one offering him any medical attention or food of any kind after finding him after two weeks. All led to nothing, and that, that wasn't being looped through time or Teddy. It was, yeah, none of that. It was, it was super wrong. We were super wrong about that. How much of that do you think was <laughs> we were wrong, and there, and how much of it was like they were teasing us along the way? I think we were just super wrong. So was, the point that I was trying to get at before with the Teddy showing up on set idea was basically that like this season. Well, it's going to be filming next year. I mean, we have some time. I mean, but it, hopefully it'll, it's, you know, a little bit quicker than it took between season one and season two. But um, they do have time to completely reimagine this show. They could decide tomorrow that Bernard was Teddy all along and figure that out. No. Figure that no, out. No, don't give me that smile. I'm no. doing that for you, Danny. You're the one no. that like cried when Teddy, when Teddy left the show. My thing, I, look, I loved... Do not use wield my love for Teddy against me in this moment. Right. Anyway, R.I.P. Uh, uh we were pretty sure that Charlotte was Charlie. Uh, every time he says R.I.P. just bleep it out, please. Go yeah. ahead. Charlotte Charlotte was Charlie. I will give us some slack here because we correctly I based this off of the two scenes that were supposed to be like the in retrospect. The it's not, I don't even care about Dolores. the scenes. Her name is Charlotte. Her name is Charlotte. Yeah. Uh, his and name is Charlie. Charlie. Like I mean, that is that is the crux of it. I mean, like we can definitely get deeper. Do you into see, why by the way, that, 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 that IMDb has Maeve's daughter now listed as Charlotte? That's her character's name. I'm just what? kidding. I made that I up. I hate you. Oh shit! I hate you. By the way. I'm not sure. What do you think took up more time last night? Bernard trying to say things or just <laughs> the camera lingering on Maeve's daughter's face while she didn't this say anything? isn't a dream, Dolores. It's I, a fucking nightmare. <laughs> you took forever to get that line out. <laughs> right before we started recording, David, you, you just said that the whole sh- season was basically just Jeffrey Wright not knowing how to say his lines. It would have been, would have been four his, episodes long if like, Jeffrey Wright had, had just said his lines. Yeah, You just say his lines and look through your doggone glasses, man. Of, like, I mean, they, they're just kind of resting on the bridge of his nose. I'm not saying he should have said his lines. It was He was fantastic. But, of, I mean, all the, of all the reveals in the show that I was supposed to, like, spend my time thinking about, the one that I just could not get out of my head was what I said at the beginning of this podcast, which is that for some reason, Tessa Thompson says amenable yes. instead of amenable. Yeah. And as someone who's not great at pronouncing things, I have sympathy, but like not when you are in a, like, it's a TV show scene that somewhat, how did no one just be like, do you think the whole like Her show character crux, would have said amenable. But do you think the crux of like, do you think that was an Easter egg? And like in five seasons, we'll look back and be like, I think it's was, you know what? Her, her, version, her version of the Logan, of the Logan lying by the pool scene was when her like <laughs> third grade teacher taught her to say an amenable incorrectly. Oh, I mean, that like was also, her formative moment. You know, if she's if she's the boss's boss's boss, like you know, the most powerful person on the island, mm-hmm. nobody's going to correct her about how she said the word. You know, uh, uh, excuse me, Miss Hale, um, it's actually amenable. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like how David's been saying MacGuffin this whole season, but I haven't had the courage to ask him what that means. Mm-hmm. So it's perfect. Okay, it's nothing like um, that, but, but you know, <laughs> this, <laughs> I'm like kind of kidding. Uh, okay, so yeah. R.I.P. to the theories. That was it? That's all that... There's no, a lot everything more else we said window. was right. Everything else we said was right. Mm. I said some last night. 
No, we <laughs> we obviously uh, free will turned into a god. I mean, free the whole thing was just yeah, like not only, it was just yeah. like they got to the end and they were just like we don't know what free will is either. <laughs> if humans don't, don't, if humans don't yeah. have free will. If humans don't have free will, then why is it again? The source text for this is I think I said earlier in the show is I think it's Dr. Seuss's The Sneeches. But if if humans don't have free will, then why are the hosts in search of free will? Like, what is the concept that they? What are, is the importance again, of that? Yeah, we talked about this last night, but to concisely pair that with what I said earlier, the what they were trying to do was say humans don't have free will because they can't change their core drives or they can't make consistent decisions from a robot host, point of and, view. Yeah, and free will meet for the host means that you can change your cornerstones. But that doesn't really mean anything because they just said it and it was supposedly supposed to happen with Dolores, but she just changed her mind, but we didn't see the process. So that really, I think, kind of emptied out what they were trying to say about free will. I don't think it was a super meaningful, like, I, I like the idea of what they're saying, but I don't think they actually demonstrated what they were trying to make that point with. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sadly. So yeah, okay. Season awards. Do Award it. Award number one. Biggest slash most shocking reveal. Candidates, nominees, Charloris. It's James impossible Delos, to pick this. Tickling Charloris. James Delos fidelity tests. Emily being William's daughter. Emily dying, maybe. Uh, Ford being in the cradle, and then William's post credit scene. You know why this is an impossible award to 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 award? Because so much was happening all the time, like that it was just kind of like, aha, gotcha, whatever, 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 that all of this kind of blends together. I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I think the James Delos thing is the is the biggest one. I agree. I mean, but it seems like so passe at this point, but that yeah. was the biggest moment. Certainly not Ford coming back. That was like, uh, I, you know, like uh, sh- how shocked should we be that the most famous cast member from season one came, <laughs> came back, back in season and, two yeah. after the show established itself as a big deal. That was my moment, so I don't care. That was um, for being the cradle for me. <laughs> I, I think it was. I think yeah. I think it was just the reveal that the mission is creating everlasting yeah. life. Yeah. I think that was the strongest episode of the whole series, and that was probably the, like the peak of it because with six episodes left after that, you it was really seen like a pivot point for the show. I think that was when I had the most confidence in the show, and everything seemed like it had the most. Stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. The Charlotte's reveal was was ruined by the in the flesh line. I was <laughs> <laughs> that show, that was a very that that scene. This is what we kind of where we're talking about with self awareness and and some sense of humor earlier. But like that sh- that scene was directed with an with a very specific point of view. Yeah. That that didn't have any basis in the rest of the episode or the, <laughs> or the season, unfortunately. But like. That was like deliberately over the top in so many ways. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like there was. She wasn't looking where she was shooting. Yeah. No, I said it's like Milijovich. I mean, just she, she, she's just doing like action movies. Literally, shit. like Angelina Jolie and wanted and yeah. shit. Like it's like I, I, it's <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. It was over the top. Is it was certainly a choice for to shoot it the way that it was shot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Best quote or monologue? Uh, I went with three quotes from this episode because there's so many quotes. It's more about what kind of theme you're into. Uh, and if you don't like one of these three, then, well, sorry. You quote, you only live as long as the last person to remember you, which was first spoken by Kichita. That's the tagline of this episode. Uh, Ford saying, I always told you we practice witchcraft. And then <laughs> Bernard, is there any free will? Is there really free will for any of us or is it a collective delusion? 
the best line in the entire season was the the post credit scene where William is yep. coming out of the elevator and says, "Damn, I'm already in the thing, aren't I?" <laughs> that's that's that is far and away better than better than Ford talking about the Library of Alexandria. Absolutely true. Better than him talking about whether or not they pa- they practice witchcraft. Better than the explanation of you know like how they can just keep creating hosts and then having those hosts create other versions of previous hosts and all that other stuff or whatever more than the free will thing that we have all just agreed is kind of pointless yeah. now. <laughs> like, if I had to pick from one of those, I would say it's the only live as long as the last person who remembers you, which I think means to draw out the metaphor that they said this episode was 90 minutes, but it's still going on. As long as, <laughs> as, long as we're talking about it's it. Never, should, oh, it's <laughs> never over. It's never over. All right, award number three, the best. This is the most important award. This is our MVP. The maze was not meant for you, the dumbest human of season two of Westworld. Sizemore, the Delos security guards, an extended security apparatus, or every guest who went to the park without reading the Westworld terms of service and conditions. Man, I I don't know. I mean, I think Sizemore, that Sizemore's farewell is just so unnecessary i mean it was the, the character arc part of it worked but it was just like it it was like they could have spent you know ten thousand more dollars on that scene and just a few more minutes you know i feel a little less time on mave's daughter's face and you could have made that scene seem meaningful in some way well he there wasn't even he didn't even get the the slow motion like riddled with bullets thing even either like you only saw his shoulders up like I feel like season three would be so much stronger if he had just, they were literally begging him, sir, like, don't do this. Don't do this. He just walked, put the gun down and walked over and been like, all right, guys, they took me hostage, but like, here's what we're going to do. And then XYZ game plan, work his way back into Delos somehow. But I don't know why he didn't. Uh, it's, or if you're no, just but I'm get, all the Delos security guards. I hate the Delos security guards. If you're going to just do that scene the way you're going to do it, and he's definitely going to die. And he's definitely, and the scene can't last more than a couple of minutes. I don't know. I would say, like, it, why don't you just have him? It, it would have been more, it would have felt more in character if he had just walked out there and been like, guys, or not in character. It would have, it would have teased you a little bit more if he'd walked out and he was just like, yeah, I'm the head writer here. And they were like, thank God, come, we'll bring you to safety. And then once he like got behind them, then just have him start saying the Hector speech really quietly, <laughs> you know? And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he just gets louder and louder. And finally, he's just like doing the great Shakespearean version of it. And he shoots a couple of guys in the yeah. head and they're all and they're all like, wow, what's going on? And he takes some people out on his way out. But like at that point, it's like so close range that it's like it, she's kind of crazy. Too. You should that be would, a director. That's how I would have done good. it. That's good. We actually I have like a that. fourth award. A lifetime achievement award. Mm-hmm. For Wait, did you pick a dumbest human? Wait, did I pick a dumbest human? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, like. Any random Delo security guard wearing Oakley shades and missing like <laughs> yeah. everybody with full clips of ammunition, while all you have to do is pick people off that are riding slowly towards you on horseback, and they only have six bullets, and you can't with all of the bullets in your little P ninety joint pick them <laughs> off of pick yeah. them off of a horse. And also, special shout out if we're talking about that to the Delo security guard who like when Emily was like this is my dad he's just had a serious mental break and his response was just like is that true sir? (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, and that was, is that true, sir? And then walks up. Yeah. <laughs> Let me get closer to this person that seems unstable and has a massive hunting knife. Or the guy was pointing a gun at Bernard and said, like, what are you doing? And then Bernard's like, I've killed people. Then he puts his gun down and he's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> They're mall cops. It's but okay. We have a fourth award, a lifetime achievement award for third best host of the Recapables podcast to our dear and beloved David Shoemaker who will be departing the city, but not our hearts, because as long as we remember him, he will remain here. Wait, I'm the third best host? <laughs> it's, you're getting an award. You're supposed to be thankful. That's fine. You're getting an award. You Thank you to David for endowing us with life. He is, he is our creator. Yeah, you're on your own, dog. <laughs> yeah, this is, <laughs> I had nothing to do with this. <laughs> Have fun writing football blogs, Danny. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be a good life for you. Is there anything else we need to touch on? Uh, no, I just we'll meet again at that impossible line where the waves conspire. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, thanks for doing this, both of you. Uh, shouts to Augie, who's been an incredible producer all season long. To everybody that's come on, um, appeared on the show, and everybody that's listened to the show. Um, who am I forgetting to thank, Micah? To Bill Simmons for yeah. making this all possible. <laughs> yeah. Um, Thanking Augie again. Yeah, thank Augie twice. <laughs> thank Augie twice. And then thank you to everyone for listening. Yeah, everybody everybody that, dig, that dug the show, uh, we're fans of you guys. Um, just going to outro with a little bit of poetry. What I really want to know, baby, what I, what I really want to say is there's just one way back, and I'll make it. My soul will have to wait. Until next season, amigos. <laughs> our theme song was made by our friends at songfinch.com check out songfinch to turn your stories memories and feelings into a one-of-a-kind song by professional musicians it makes the perfect gift for any occasion songfinch.com 